Welcome to another episode of Complete Developer Podcast, the podcast by coders for coders about all aspects of creating your best life as a developer. I'm Will, the accomplished developer, author, and software architect. And I'm Beach, the journeyman developer sharing my journey in development. Complete Developer Podcast is supported by listeners like you. We are now on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Complete Developer Podcast. We hear a lot about how to be a good leader, but rarely hear anything about how to be a good follower. If we're all leading, then who's following? Following isn't about blindly agreeing with leadership but instead is the ability to work within any role to improve yourself, your team, and your organization. In this episode, we explore several characteristics of what it means to be a good follower. But before we get started, Will, what have you been following this week? Uh, I don't know about following. I, you know, My new position is a completely different stack. So I'm doing cool. TypeScripts. MySQL, Node, React, and we've got some other stuff in there that's uh, pretty hardcore as well. Sounds exciting, man. Like, yeah. Legit. But I did kind of, you know, like back in the day, we used to do the IOTs mm-hmm. thing, and we don't do that anymore. But I'm going to throw something in there that's kind of like, hey, I found a neat tool. It's called DBeaver. You told me about this. It is a database client that will hit anything. And it's got dark mode by default. Yeah, so like if you're using, you know, Azure Data Studio is what I've used, you know, up until recently. And it will hit Postgres, it'll hit SQL Server, but the MySQL client is not ready. I think some of the things are like Maria DB, it won't won't hit. There's a bunch of other, you know, different types that it can't hit. Um, and DBeaver can hit them. So I've actually swapped all my stuff over to that. So it is pretty slick. Uh, so definitely uh, check that out. It's DBeaver. Like DBeaver. Yeah, I don't know why they came up with that name, but it's uh, it's pretty solid. Cool. So, how about you? So I just got back from a trip down to Florida visiting my sister. Lots of fun with my nieces uh, playing music. I gave my 10-year-old niece a bass guitar. Short scale bass, so like a mini that fits her, her size. But uh, she was so excited because she's seen my bass and... Like every time she came over, would want to play it. And so that's what she got for her birthday. And we just had, we had a jam session almost every night. And the cool thing was it was more than just, you know, oh, hey, we're playing a few songs, but we were teaching each other songs. We were trading instruments. Like sometimes I'd be on piano. Sometimes I'd be on bass. Sometimes I'd have the guitar. Sometimes I'd be on the box drum. Like you never knew what I was going to play. It was just oh, hey, let me pick up an instrument and start playing along with whatever we're doing. It was so much fun. We did some, several different evenings. We did light painting, photography. I know I've talked about that in the past. And if you guys follow my creative Instagram, Bowtie Beach Creative, I'll be posting some of those photos eventually once I get around to editing them. I hit a few bookstores, went to a street festival. It was just a blast. Went through, you know, a Tropical storm together, if you would really call it that. Yeah, we were up central Florida, so it wasn't really didn't really hit us that hard. And they kept saying it was going to be a hurricane, but it was definitely not hurricane level where it, where we were. At a coworker who has a house down in uh, Tampa, and like when I said I was going down to Florida, 
she was like giving me all the warnings about like, oh, hey, there's a hurricane coming and trying to tell me all this stuff. I'm like, my brother-in-law's from Florida and I lived in New Orleans for many years. I, I've been through a few. <laughs> um, she was like, oh, yeah, you know what you're doing then. I'm not worried. <laughs> so that was that was it. So it was, it was it's been a fun week. Uh, long drive today to get back in time to record. So I'm a little bit tired, but uh, it's going to be a good night. So we'd like to uh, welcome our new patron, and I'm not sure how to pronounce this. Uh, so is it Kajitan? I do not know, but uh, he, he recently joined us on uh, on Patreon. I'm assuming he based on the profile picture. So, but yeah, welcome. Thank you so much for your support. We we really appreciate it. It's because of uh, listeners like you that we're able to to put this on. Saving money is hard, especially when you spend it traveling across the country to visit family and play music with your nieces. Lucas Casades is a fee-only certified financial planner. He owns and runs Level Up Financial Planning virtually out of Fort Collins, Colorado. And just like us here at Complete Developer Podcast, he focuses on helping you not only to establish a real plan, but also to take action so that you can live your best life. Investing in financial planning services really comes down to whether or not you can actually improve your finances. And with the help of Level Up, the compounding impact of making better financial decisions will easily pay for itself. Level Up has a unique pricing model that is designed to help you no matter where you are in your financial journey. So if you're a junior developer just starting your career or a grizzled senior developer learning a new stack, Lucas has a plan for you. Lucas is also a fiduciary for his clients, which means he's not here to sell you a product, but to help guide you to a better financial situation. Now, you can catch his podcast, Techie Personal Finance Bootcamp, where he covers financial topics you probably face and interviews other IT professionals who share how they navigated their careers and learn a lot more at levelupfinancialplanning.com. I actually reached out to Lucas because with everything going on this past year, I was like, you know what? I could. I could use his services. So when I when I set up the appointment, he sent me some resources, like the free appointment for the assessment. He sent me some resources. I, I looked through those and man, some good stuff. Like seriously, guys, it's not much to like 30 minute free appointment with him just to see if what he has to offer is going to benefit you. Absolutely worth that 30 minutes. I'm just telling you guys right now from personal experience. One of the first behaviors learned in becoming an influential leader is how to be a good follower. This involves a change in perspective for many from trying to constantly be in charge or take control to letting others have the reins and instead following their lead. It can be relaxing to not be the one making decisions, though it can also be stressful if you don't always agree with those decisions. And by the way, if you're paying attention, you will not always agree. Becoming a good follower is just as difficult, maybe even more difficult than being a good leader. Understanding how to follow contains several benefits that may not appear obvious. First, it improves your leadership skills. This goes beyond the modeling followership to understanding what it's like to be your subordinate and how to make their lives better so that it's easier to follow you. Another benefit that seems kind of counterintuitive is that you gain more control over your own career. 
you may not be able to manage up to every leader you have. However, as you become a better follower, you will know what you can and cannot do. You'll also become more adaptive as an employee and be able to adjust to almost any leadership style or lack thereof. As a leader, you want those who you're leading to be good followers as well. So you have to set the example for them, you know, to show them how to behave, essentially. Many of the traits of a good follower are also traits of a good leader. Leaders and followers are roles that we all have to varying degrees in different aspects of our lives. You may be a leader in one place and a follower in another. Understanding and exemplifying good followership will help your leadership skills by helping you to understand what is going on with the people that are following you. In this episode, we're going to discuss several characteristics of being a good follower. From commitment and loyalty to courage and honesty, we look at what it means to be a good follower and how you can cultivate that in yourself and in those you lead. So the first one, commitment. Commitment is defined as an agreement or pledge to do something in the future. Yeah. So basically, I think we all kind of know what commitment is because we've all had a, a point where we had to commit to something. You had to commit to learn to code. You know, you had to, even if it was a commitment to yourself, to agree to do this, to continue doing this. Taking a job is a commitment. You're committing to showing up every day for so many days a week. For some, it's seven. Uh, for a good follower, commitment is agreeing to do what your leadership asks. You may have a disagreement with the direction they're going, and it may be that you know something they don't know, or they may know stuff that you don't know. But as a good follower, you understand and you've built, like, you trust them and you go along with it, even if you don't agree 100%. Yeah. Of course, that said, there may be occasions, hopefully rare, where leadership asks for something illegal. There will be more common occasions where they ask for something impossible. Yeah. You know, either maliciously or unknowingly. And in those situations, commitment would be not doing the thing that you're asked because it's, you know, you're, you're working against the actual goal. Yeah. The, the trick with commitment is that it is two-way between leaders and followers because it's, it's based in trust and they have to commit and trust you. So they have to be, leadership has to be committed to those who are following them to lead them in the right direction. And followers have to be committed to the leadership to say, hey, I, I'm going to trust where you're going. And you know, it's and and it being two way is is probably the most important thing here. Part of the the commitment for you has to be, hey, look, this person trusts me enough to do this thing, and so I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to honor that commitment with my yeah. own commitment. So the next characteristic of a good follower is competence. A competent follower has the knowledge and skills necessary to perform their job without the need for constant assistance. They, they can do it without having to constantly ask for, how do I do this? What do you want me to do? Yeah, without competence, an employee or follower is really going to require a lot of hand-holding and one-on-one -on -one guidance from leadership or management, or they're just going to make a mess. 
which is the other option too. I, I will also say, you know, when you mix the competence with the commitment, the other thing that comes out here is you have to be honest about how competent you are mm-hmm. as part of your commitment. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that, that is very true. We'll talk about honesty in a little bit too, but yeah, the thing with this is competence doesn't happen overnight, which is why good leaders will have an onboarding process and be available. This is something that I am very almost pushy about um, with my team is that I am available. I'm not saying, hey, I'm not calling them up and saying, hey, let's let's work on this together because I think you don't understand it. I wait for them to reach out to me or if they're taking a little bit longer than they should, then I'll reach out to them as a leader. But I wait for them to reach out to me, but I make sure they know, hey, you got questions. You can come to me. I'm available. I will help you. I, you know, I'll hop on a call with you. And even if I don't know it, we'll figure it out together. Right. And they have to have the trust to be able to do that, uh, which is the the trick there. Yeah. And this is especially true with new developers, um, junior developers. When I say new, like like with Will, you're starting a new stack. So, you know, your competence yeah. in that stack is not as high as your competence in .NET. Right. And boy, have I learned that this week. Yeah. And so it's something that builds and the things that you know from .NET will apply there. A lot of the concepts will, but the specific syntax may not, will not for sure in certain areas. Yeah. But this is something that, again, like I said, as as leaders to encourage competence in our followers, we have to be available and have this this extended onboarding, this process of, hey, I'm going to help you and I'm going to be here when you need it, but then let them figure it out too. And as followers, we need to take that and go, all right, I'm going to try to figure it out and then come to you. Like, I think I've even asked you a few times on some stuff I've been working on recently. Yeah. What's the Google query you would use for this? Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I can't find anything on this. What what should I Google? Because I'm stuck. I don't want you to give me the answer. Well, and that last one, I was like, I don't know what I would Google. <laughs> oh, yes, what you and, said. you know, we, we got on a call and fixed it in a couple of minutes. But yeah, but it, it is like that's that's the way it is sometimes. Well, you have to kind of set that tone, too, so that they know what the back and forth is going to look like. You know, that's part of being a competent leader, honestly. Yeah. You know, but the real deal here is that they they need to be able to trust you as the follower to know how to do your job. And to seek help when you are stuck to a degree that you can't get out of quickly. Yeah. You know, I, I have told mostly mid-level developers that I've worked with because they'll want to just like hammer away at it. And I, I've had to tell them like, Hey guys, don't spend more than an hour to, to an hour and a half being stuck. Like if you're not going anywhere for an hour, call me and we'll hop on a call and look at it. You know, if if you're you're trying stuff and you still got ideas, then keep working at it and don't don't worry about it. But they they don't want to like they were they wanted to exhaust all their options. And but then they would sit there and just like struggle and struggle and struggle for a long amount of time. I'm like, no, no, don't spend four or five hours on this when you're stuck. Spend maybe an hour at most and then reach out and go, hey, I'm stuck. I've been working on it for the last, you know, six hours and I've tried all these ideas. And I haven't gotten anywhere in the last hour. Here's what I've done. 
Well, and that's when you're most receptive to learn and become more competent too. You're not, you're not going to be as receptive to pick stuff up after you've been fighting with it for six hours. Right. Speaking of fighting with things, uh, you need to have a work ethic. Work ethic is the idea that working hard towards a specific end is virtuous and valuable separate from the value of the task or the goal accomplished. I had a really interesting conversation with somebody after this previous gig, you know, I got let go and I'd been working over a fair bit. Yeah. I'm like, well, you were salary, you know, you worked over Don't you feel bad about that? And I'm like, no, I don't feel bad about that. The reason I don't feel bad about it is because I conducted myself honorably in that situation. Yeah. I know they did not get ripped off and I'm okay with that. That's a work ethic. The other side of it was I signed up for too much crap that was you know going on and I got pulled into too many things. And that's also why I was having to work over. But you know, you, you kind of want to have that. It makes it, it makes it where they, the person in charge does not have to constantly motivate you. It's an intrinsic motivation versus extrinsic. Mm-hmm. So they're not having to like fight with your motivation the whole time. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, when they're, when they're having to constantly try to motivate you. Yeah. Conversations get had. Yeah. You're not a valuable employee when you're not motivated and it may be, Hey, this is not the place for you. Yeah. Or it's not the situation or it's not whatever, but you know, like being in a managerial position and having to put up with somebody that's like that, you know, I, at a previous gig a while back, there was a guy, we nicknamed him Eeyore. Because he was just always negative and demotivated on calls. It was just like, you know, Eeyore and Winnie the Pooh. It's like he's got a nail in his backside. And yeah. I mean, it, it was a struggle just getting on a call with him, even helping him. Because you felt like you you, you were getting drained just getting on a call with him. Mm-hmm. And and you don't want to do that to your manager because then they're not going to help you. And you your growth and competence is not going to increase. Yeah, exactly. A good follower understands the value of hard work and that the journey to the goal is just as important as that goal. Like sometimes it's not about getting the app to work a certain way. It's about the learning process to get there. Yeah. Because the app's not going to work the same way a year from now. Yeah. Sometimes I'll, I will suggest certain people take on a task or a, a story that would be really easy for me to do. And I could knock out in half a day and it's going to take them a day or two because I've done that. I've faced those problems and I know what not to do in like without having to go through it. But this person hasn't. And so it's a learning experience for them. I haven't had to do that much lately, but I, I have done that in the past where it's like, hey, why don't you take this story? And it was because it was going to be a challenge. And Eventually, they realized I was doing that. And so they, the person started taking on more challenging stories to the point where I had to say, hey, why don't you not take that one? Because we're under a time crunch. Yeah. yeah. It's not that I don't think you can do it. It's just that I'm, I've faced those problems before and I, I, w- I kind of want to tackle that one. You know? Yeah. And I do want to make a distinction here between, a, between work ethic and being a workaholic. Yes. Because that is something that we we have a real problem with in our industry, in our culture. Yeah, just I mean, like the American culture is that way. But there's there's definitely a big chunk of developers that are that are like this too, and it's it's it honestly does not help them, and it doesn't help them apply pressure when they're trying to work on something if they know they've got an eighty hour work week. Like you you can't you can't go full bore on something 
when you get that long of a work week. So, so be careful about that uh, distinction as well. Oh, absolutely. And the line for you is going to be in a different place than it is for everybody else. Now, on the work ethic thing, doing regular code katas may seem ridiculous, right? You know, because you have solved that problem, but it's a drill to help you be able to solve that problem better in the future. It's not, okay, I solved this once. It's like I've dealt with it. So a great example is, you know, the use of code katas. You know, you want to practice these every day and you're not doing it to be able to solve a particular problem the same way. Every time you're doing it so that you get the experience of approaching a problem from different angles slightly. Uh, you know, you're, you're getting that repeated thing so that you are comfortable with the problem, not so that you have the solution. If that makes the sense. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you guys have heard me talk about the, the first like development job I got was like, I rocked the whiteboard because I've been doing a very similar code kata for two weeks and I was able to write it out in one line on the board. And the the guy interviewing me was like, are you sure you're a junior? I'm like, yeah, but I've just been doing that one, that particular thing as a code kata. And doing it as a code kata wasn't about like getting like the solution. It was about the process and being able to look at any problem like that and knock that out. Well, you internalize the process to the point that you're able to give give a much better solution much more quickly because there's a lot of pieces you're just not having to make decisions on. Yeah. 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 It, it's hard to really, it's hard to explain the value of code katas until somebody's done it and then you don't need to explain it to them. Yeah, that is so true. That is, that is so, so true. So the, the next characteristic we have is courage. And, uh, I have a quote from Winston Churchill here. The foremost of virtues, for upon it all others depend. You know, speaking on courage. And I just think that's like really, really key here. And that's why I kind of put it right in the middle of, of these is like, it kind of is like the hinge point. Like you were talking about the honesty in when we were talking about competence, but like telling your management, hey, I'm good at this, but not that, that takes courage. Yeah, it really does. And you know, we're not talking like crazy, you know, again, going back to the workaholic thing, right? Yeah. That's not courage. That that's trying to have the outward signs of it. You know, a a good follower is somebody who will not only know when leadership is going the wrong direction, but will be able to actually talk to leadership about it. And you by the way, you don't do this by being abrasive all the time and arguing with them. No, that is the opposite of what you want to do. Yeah. You know, you, you want it to be where, hey, if you if you come to them and go, hey, this is not a good idea where they trust you because you haven't been fighting with them for the last six months mm-hmm. over, you know, font choices or something. And a, a big thing with courage is courage is not the absence of fear, as a lot of people mistakenly think. Courage is the is action with fear. It's it's being able to act even when you're afraid. So even when you're nervous, even when you are like worried or you're not certain or, you know, you're you have the stage fright of talking in front of people. You're you're a little bit worried about what your manager is going to think of you saying, hey, you know, this may not be a good idea. 
courage is having that fear and still doing it. That's what courage is. Courage isn't not having that fear. And it goes back to to what you're saying about like the workaholism and like the the extreme. It's like workaholism is a response to fear. Yeah. And it's a bad one. It, it is. What I was gonna say is um that's not where I was going with it because I was saying like it's that that extreme that oh I'm not like that bold, I'm not afraid of it, whatever, the bravado. If you're not afraid of like there are some things, if you're not afraid of them, then there's something wrong. Yeah. You know? Well, and if you're if you're having to like signal it too, right? Like yeah. you don't want to be like the the programming guest on. Right. Right. It's like, like it's like jumping out of an airplane. I mean, I, I've been skydiving and I really enjoyed it. And I can't wait to do it again. It's just kind of expensive. Uh and I, I would rather spend my money on other things like lenses and stuff for my camera. But uh that all said, it's scary. It is super scary jumping out of that plane. But it feels so great after you do it. And you're like, I overcame that. Yeah. You know, that's courage is overcoming. That is like being absolutely terrified of something and doing it anyway. That's courage. Yeah. Of course, you also have to talk about context, right? It yeah. is, you know, for instance, confronting an authority figure and going, Hey, I, I think this is the wrong way to go. You know, that does take guts. Make sure you do that in private. Oh, yes. Uh, you know, you do it at a, you know, in front of 40 people. Like, don't undermine. That's not courage. That's stupidity. <laughs> and, and yeah, the, the, you know, the problem is, is like stupidity will tell you that you can get through a dangerous situation and courage will tell you that you can get through a dangerous situation. And that's what makes life hard mm-hmm. is because they're, 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 they have this near, very near the same definition. Well, fear is a warning. It's saying, Hey, there's a dangerous situation. Courage is saying, yep, I I accept that warning. Thank you. I still need to act. I still need to do something. Stupidity is ignoring that warning. Right. But I think a lot of people have a hard time differentiating those two signals. That is true. That is true. And some people would say jumping out of an airplane is not courageous. It's stupid. I don't know. I, I enjoyed it. If you have a parachute, you can do it twice. That's true. That's true. <laughs> So speaking of correctly evaluating things, the next critical characteristic is honesty. Yeah. Courage leads to honesty with leaders. If you're you're afraid, you really can't be honest. If you're going to be honest with leaders, you know, they they need people who follow them to be able to tell them when they're headed the wrong direction or to give them information that they may not like. Not necessarily, oh, you're going the wrong way, but hey, you know, my coworker over here is, you know, drunk half the day. Maybe we need to do something. Oh, you know, that's not information they're going to like, but you're going to have to go and tell them potentially. Pulling in the aftercast topic. I like it. I did pull in the aftercast because that was an act of honesty and courage on my part. Actually, a lack of brainstorming, but we'll call it that. Well, just, you know, a little ad for you guys. Uh, the It'll probably come out before this episode does, but the, the, um, the aftercast we did this month is talking about alcohol in the workplace. So you can hop on over to Patreon and join at the $5 level and get to hear that. Join at the $20 level and you can join us on the Aftercast and have those conversations with us. That's a lot of fun. So, yeah. A little advert there for you guys. Self-promotion. Yeah. See, we did. that was courageous of us. And honest. And honest. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> um, 
being a follower who is both honest and polite. Remember in Courage, we were talking about like doing things in private, uh, like speaking to your leadership in private about things, especially when it's calling them out. But being both honest and polite leads to respect for both for the people who are in charge of you. Like it helps you to respect them, but it also garners respect from them to where they respect you for the way you are honest with them, the way you are, but you're honest and still polite about it. Well, you know, be politeness is an act of trust too, right? Yeah. It's, you know, it's a notion that, okay, I don't have to use force and scaring people and yelling and stuff to get my point across and that they will be receptive. And, and so you're kind of going out on a limb in a way that makes them want to go out on a limb for you. Yeah, that is very true. There are bad leaders who will not encourage an honest assessment of their direction or leadership. In those cases, you have to weigh the risks of going above them in the chain of command if you can. Or in some cases, you may have to actually confront them in a much more bellicose manner, uh, which is also not fun. I've had to do that a few times. Yeah. And generally, you're going to want to avoid that, right? Like you're going to go and follow somebody else. Yeah, you really are. So speaking of that, going and following someone else, our next characteristic of a good follower is loyalty. A good follower is loyal to their team, their organization, and leadership in that they will do what we've been talking about. They will complain in private and promote in public. If you're not familiar with what that that is, we've kind of been hinting at it up till now, but this is a concept that it, I mean, it took me a hot minute to, to really internalize this because it go, it went so much against my, my nature. I had to really fight to change myself to do this, but because I like, you know, if I didn't agree with management, everybody knew I didn't agree with management. I did not make it a secret and that was not good for my career. And so but what you want to do is you disagree with management. You disagree in private with them, like behind closed doors. You talk to them about it and explain your concerns and stuff like that. They may take it into consideration. They may know more than you about a situation and they may still go, Hey, yeah, we've weighed those, those things and we're still going to go this direction. And so in public, you promote it, you know, it goes back to something I learned about working as a group and as a team is when you're together as a team making a decision, voice your opinion, stuff like that. As soon as the team has made a decision, whether you agree with it or not, you promote that in public. Yeah. I think a lot of that too is just understanding your place. Yeah. Um, and we really have a, that's a thing that was understood culturally, I think pretty well for a very long time. And we've kind of gotten away from that and for, for good reason in a lot of, in a lot of cases. Um, but when you have to have a functional team, that's still something that you kind of have to keep in mind. It's like, Hey, it's not my place to try to override management or try to override my team. Right. That's very true. And the thing with loyalty too, is what happens when you don't have loyalty, it really compromises you know, individual and team performance and you really hurt everybody. Because now you're having to you know, essentially waste energy on some kind of disagreement or some kind of struggle for power. And you know, if your competition's not doing that, you just undermine your team in a really bad way. And if your you know, competition is doing that, then you also undermine your team in a really bad way because you could have gotten that much more ahead of them. 
<laughs> right? Even with a bad decision. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the thing with loyalty is it doesn't mean that you're a yes man, yes woman uh, to a particular leader. Um, but you're loyal to the team or the organization, no matter the quality of leadership. So it goes back to what we were talking about before about, you know, sometimes you got to go over a particular leader's head because they're doing something that is bad for the organization or bad for the team. Yeah. And and the other thing too is to some degree picking the people that are your leaders, right? There's an organization here in town that a lot of people think highly of and they think highly of the person that runs it. And I used to think much more highly of this person, but I've seen some of the crap that they say. I could never work for them, you know, and I will filter that out before I go in there. I won't put myself in a position to have to be loyal to something I can't be loyal to. That that's another aspect of this too that you you really have to be, you know, careful about. Like, you know, be willing to say no before you're at a point where loyalty is required if you can't be loyal. Yeah. And loyalty does mean sticking through tough times, you know. There there are going to be bumps in your career. You don't want to like bail the first time there is a bump. Um you know, that doesn't mean staying when it's intolerable. It just means going, okay, things are a little rough this week. You know, mm-hmm. things are rough for two weeks. But, you know, you're, you want to be in a mindset where you go, okay, I have a line where I say something is intolerable and I get out. And until I get to that line, I'm going to do my, I'm going to put my best effort in. Yeah. Right. I mean, not to a particular leader, but talking about loyalty, this will be, I'll keep this brief, but, you guys, I mean, y'all watched me go through the the breakup a couple of years ago. It's been a couple of years, year and a half, almost two years. Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, yeah, wow, it's been that long. Well, I mean, she's already married. Yeah. Well, of course that that happened pretty quick, but whatever. Anyway, and there were times that I thought about, you know, there are plenty of other churches around. I could go to another one, you know, and not have to like contend with her being there and stuff like that. But I was, I was, I had built the friendships, the loyalty there and I had to make a decision. Am I going to stay? And am I going to, am I going to work through this or am I going to leave? And I, I realized something that in most situations in the past, like it had been where it was easy for me to just leave, you know, either situationally because, Oh, Hey, it just, it just so happened that, life took me away or it was just easy for one of us to, to fall out of the other's life. And in this one, it would actually be a conscious effort. It wouldn't be, Oh, Hey, life took us away from each other. And I made the decision to stay loyal to, to the church, to the, to my friends and stuff like that. And now here I am two years later, I'm, you know, leading a team of photographers, getting to do all sorts of amazing things, made it on the worship team, playing not next Saturday, Saturday after next, you know, I even switched instruments and I'm playing, you know, the keyboard now. And none of that would have happened if I hadn't stayed loyal through that, through a rough time. Now I could also say, looking back, you know, on like my high school career, I, as far as my church youth group in high school, like I look back now at just how bad things got. And I've talked to several others that were there too. And they had the same thing. They're just like, I wish I'd given those people the finger when I was 15 and walked away. But 
you know, again, it was a situation where there was not a bi-directional loyalty. And I think that's kind of the key in your circumstance there is that there was loyalty there. You had friends there, you had people and, you know, it makes a huge difference. And that brings up the next point, which is, you know, judgment, you know, good judgment comes from experience and experience comes from bad judgment. Mostly uh, yours or somebody else's. Yeah. And that's a quote from unknown. Cause I think pretty much everybody, when they hit 40, they realize this, <laughs> if not before. Yeah. I saw that quote online and I was like, Ooh, that's good. But nobody had a reference for it. So I was like, all right, I'm just gonna throw unknown on there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, guys, judgment is the ability to discern the good from the bad instructions. And it's very important, both in leadership and in followership. Like you need, you must have judgment as a follower to, to be able to discern, Hey, is what I'm being asked to do a good idea? Is this legal? Is this, you know, we we talked about earlier, Hey, you know, this is, it's one thing to, to disagree with leadership in matters of opinion or matters of, I think this would not be the best direction for the company, but their leadership and they're going that direction anyway, versus this is not legal for the company. Yeah. Or it's deeply immoral. Yeah. Or, or just a moral period. You know, you and I had a, a discussion before the podcast, you know, about a, a particular situation that I'm like, I wouldn't do that. And there's plenty of people that would, and that's why I wouldn't end up in this situation. You know, good, good followers are loyal to their teams and the organizations that they're in and not a particular leader within the team or the organization and not a particular necessarily a thought process either. Right. Like if you're actually going to be loyal, you know, your goal is to, is to advance the cause of the thing that you're trying to do, not to advance the people advancing the cause. If that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's not about, it should never be a cult of personality. Yeah, you really have to watch those because they're <laughs> super dangerous. And this is this is where like church leadership, I've been reading a lot of books about church leadership, but this is where church leadership really comes in for me is there are so many out there that are, you know, basically people have built these churches around themselves to promote themselves. Yeah. Under the guise of, you know, well, it, church. it's, it's the way you, you know, it, it's the counterpart to YouTube influencers yeah. in the nineties, mm-hmm. you know, was, was, was a lot of church leadership with all the, the multimedia stuff and the early internet. I mean, that was definitely a thing, but you see it in business too. I mean, you got people like Elizabeth Holmes, mm-hmm. you know, you've got plenty of, of leaders of companies that, you know, frankly create a cult of personality and you don't want to follow that. No. Um, for one, you can't you can't climb past a certain point there anyway. Mm-hmm. The key to good judgment is knowing the difference between something that you personally disagree with versus something that is actually wrong. So I had a job previously. You know, this was years and years ago, where they wanted me to ship personally identifiable information and health data as part of a regular process by way of email, unencrypted. And I told him no. And I ended up getting fired for insubordination because I would not do that. That company later got in a whole bunch of other trouble because that wasn't the only thing they were doing. And you'll see this a lot 
in companies that are already having problems, they'll they'll push for something like that. So the next characteristic is credibility. Credibility is putting courage and loyalty into action by making what you do align with what you say you're going to do. It's a little bit like commitment. Commitment is saying, hey, I'm going to do this and doing it. Credibility is like, is sticking with it. It's like having the courage to go through that. You know, as a follower, if you say you agree with leadership, even if you don't, but then you do something different, then you lose credibility and trust from your leaders and from your coworkers and anybody else who's watching you. Yeah. Um, now you can say, hey, I don't love this idea, but we're going to do it and we're going to do our best at it. And, and that's okay. It's it's more when you're you're like, oh yeah, this is a great idea, and then you just go do something else anyway. Yeah, and the the big thing here is we've talked about com- like complaining in private and promoting in public. But when you promote in public, it doesn't mean, oh hey, it's not a surface promote. It's not a superficial. It is you are all in. And that's what builds that credibility. When leadership sees, hey, they disagreed with me, and yet when they took it to the team. Like, or they disagreed with me, but when we were on the team call, they were like supportive and then they went and did the thing that they disagreed with. That's credibility and that's going to build trust. Being a credible follower really involves making your actions match up with your commitments or doing what you say you're going to do. It's, it is, it really comes into play when you disagree with leadership. I mean, when you agree with them and do what they ask you to do and you say you're going to do it, that doesn't like that builds some credibility, but not a lot. When you disagree with leadership in private and then go out and say, all right, this is, this is the direction we're going and you support them and then you do it, even though you voiced your complaints and your, your thoughts, that builds credibility. And what that's going to help is the next time you go to them and disagree, they know, hey, even if he disagrees with us, he's still going to do what we ask. So there, it's a weird thing about humans. We're more apt to listen to people in that situation. Yeah. And you know, credibility is also following through with the stuff you say you're going to do. So even if there's no disagreement, you go, hey, we'll have this done in a month. You better get it done in a month. That also means that you have to avoid situations where you undermine your own credibility being optimistic. Right. Yeah, that's very true. All right. Finally, the last characteristic we have is self-management. You guys probably knew this one was coming. Uh, And this may seem contradictory. However, to be a good follower, you must be able to lead yourself, especially when you have a good leader who isn't micromanaging. Bet you guys thought I was going to say a bad leader. No. Like, you really have to self-manage when you've got a good leader. Yeah, a whole lot more than you when you have a bad one, honestly. It's amazing to me how many places I've worked where we've had good management, and there'll be one person that ruins it for everybody. Yep. That needs to be micromanaged. And, you know, the manager will go, well, I guess I have to micromanage everybody because this one guy course a lot of really good managers will also figure that out and go no i'm just going to micromanage this guy because that's what he needs yeah um, instead of ruining it for everyone but a really really good manager will go i'm going to micromanage this guy to get him to where he doesn't need it yeah 
because I, I have seen that. I've started that with people in the past. Not where I'm at now. Everybody's been pretty good where I'm at now. But in previous, before I got into development roles, I've done that. Uh, self-management also includes ego management. Like a good follower is more focused on completing the task at hand than getting immediate recognition for it. Yeah, you don't you don't want to, you know, again, this this goes back to the discussion about, you know, intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation. You really need to have that intrinsic right motivation. Otherwise, people they feel the need to manage you a lot more. No. Um, and it, it's it's not a good place to end up. I'll tell you one you know, one way that I encourage this with uh, with my photographers, team of photographers I lead is I talk about how excited I get when I see one of my photos posted. They don't give us photo cred because we're we're doing it for the organization, but it's like you know I still I see one of my one of the photos I took and I'm like, hey, I did a good job. Like that that one was good enough for them to post, and like that brings joy to me. And so I'll encourage my, you know, my team. I'm like, you know, did you see any of your photos that you took? And you're like, wow, hey, yeah, I, I really liked that photo and got excited that you saw it posted. One, it encourages engagement with the, with our social media posts, but also it, it kind of like, it helps them because I work with like a lot of my team are younger teenagers who are learning photography. And so it helps them to build that intrinsic motivation. Of I don't need to get the credit. I don't need to be told I am good, but by seeing it used, I reward myself and go, "Hey, I did good there." Yeah, and I mean, being told that you're good is nice, but it should not be necessary past a certain point. I mean, I think at some level you eventually have to hear it. Sometimes you get discouraged, and I've I've yeah. been there where I've just been like, just you know, I've been through the ringer on a few things and just been down and. It's amazing. Uh, a simple text, and this happened to me a few months back. I was just just a little burnout on things, and I got a text saying, "Hey, I just wanted you to know that you're doing such a great job as a leader, and these specific things are really good, and they're really helping things out." And that was all I needed. That was the 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 little bit just to go, "Hey, the effort, the work I've been putting in." is being recognized, someone notices. And at that point where I was at, that was what I needed to just get me over that hump. Well, and you know, the other thing too, is when you don't get a ton of compliments, like I think people that get a lot of compliments, like they, they forget the value of it. But if you don't get a ton of them, every compliment is very valuable. Like you probably remember some little old lady complimenting you at a gas station when you were a teenager. Like you probably can recall a situation like that. It, it doesn't take a lot of it, but you, you know, it, it helps to have it on occasion. You just don't want to be waiting for it as your motivation. Right. Self-managed followers are proactive as well, uh, which is the other kind of the point of being self-managing. They'll appear to predictively or instinctively know what it is that their leadership wants and will do that without having to be told. And you get this with time. Like you're not going to do that first day at a new job probably yeah no i mean it's it this is something that builds with time with trust with understanding your leadership and what they want like this is something you build up this is what doing all those other things builds too 
is to be able to be proactive and predictive in what you do. So guys, understanding how to follow well is something that will help you no matter where you are in your career. Even if you own the company and don't report to anyone, you're still following market trends and customer requirements or requests. Understanding what's involved in being a good follower will guide you not only in following others, but also in leading them. This is not an exhaustive list by far of the traits or or characteristics of a good follower. But some of the more important ones that you can be working on right now and improving. So use them to start working on your own following skills to be a better follower. That's pretty much all we've got. We'll catch you guys next week. If you have a question or comment, please email us at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Standby for Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed through Creative Commons. For references, show notes, and extra tips and insights, be sure to check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Help us make the show possible by supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast. You'll get extras, including a weekly aftercast where we discuss the topic of the week and bonus material with some of our patrons. You can also follow us on Twitter at CompleteDevPod, like our page on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram to keep up with news about the show. Join the conversation anytime via Slack by signing up at slack.completedevelopernetwork.com. Thanks for listening. See you next time.